Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Getting it all taken care of. Got a big weekend in front of us. Big weekend. It's a little bit rainy today here in Stark Vegas, and I, there's supposed to be some cooler weather coming. I don't know about you. I've enjoyed the high being around 71 degrees and low being in the 30s. Matter of fact, I could probably live like this year-round. The only thing about this is, is, you know, every once in a while, you know, the kids want to go swimming. And so, uh, but yeah, but I tell you, it's been a nice break from some warm weather and some humidity. So I'm going to take it. And I know that's an old guy move. I, I get it. You know, I get that that's an old guy move because I am becoming an older guy that I, I spend a lot of time thinking and talking about the weather. I don't know what that means. Maybe maybe I am getting old. It beats the alternative, though, right? It beats the alternative. But anyway, it's a big weekend around here. We're going to get some yard work done around the house. I am promise you this. I am going to commit this summer is that I'm going to get everything done that I need to get done. I'm going to take advantage of this time off. And I'm going to get every little honeydew thing around the house done. All those things I've been putting off. I'm going to get all that stuff done. I've been needing to repaint the garage and do some things like that. I'm going to do all that stuff. Because when Mississippi State gets ready to play sports again, I don't want anything standing in my way. I don't want to look back and say, oh, man, I wish I'd have done this, should have done that. I don't want anything to potentially pop up and say, oh, we need to take care of this. Nope, I'm going to do all that this summer. I'm relocating the office. I'm redoing the living room. I'm doing it all. I'm getting stir crazy around this house, people. But I'm not cutting my hair, putting bangs in, or dyeing my hair, any of that stuff. But I'm going to redo some things, get them how I want them. I'm going to fall in love with the house again. We're going to have a lot of fun with all that. And then we're going to get ready to go play football 
And uh, when I get ready to go on the road and go watch uh, high school football on Friday nights and watch the Bulldogs play on Saturday and come home and watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play on Sunday, I don't want any of this stuff hanging over my head because I want to be able to watch football completely encumbered by any request for me to do anything around this house. Are you with me or not? So let's all commit to this summer to get all this stuff done. I'm going to do it. I don't know what you guys plan to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a list of everything that I want to get done around this house, and I'm going to do it between now and August. It's my promise to you. I'll keep you updated. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I tell you what, we've gotten to the point now we get Bulldog Burger Company about once a week around here. And uh, listen, I'm going to encourage you again, even if you're not in Starville, support your local merchants. But our your favorite merchants here in Starville could certainly use your support. And maybe if you are one of these Bulldog Burger Company fans like me, if you can't make it to town, go to eatwithus.com and order yourself some gift certificates or maybe give them to college students or whatever. But any support that you can offer our local vendors, they could certainly appreciate and, uh, and need it from you. If you are in town or you're just passing through, order the family special. That's four Bulldog burgers, four orders of fries, a gallon of sweet tea for $29.95. That shit must be illegal. To have that many restaurant-quality hamburgers and that many french fries together in one place for less than $30 is probably a felony. I don't know how they're doing it. Enjoy that. Bulldog Burger Company will soon be back to regular operating conditions. We look forward to that. But uh, I think one of the things that we have learned through all this global pandemic stuff is, you know what, it's okay for us to get food to go sometimes. Nothing beats the in-house dining experience. But I know for me, there have been a lot of times, you know what, I might eat a little lesser than, you know what I'm saying, I might have gone and got fast food just because of the fact it was easier. Our local restaurants have, have kind of perfected it. And so now it's just as easy to get better quality food with curbside service or walk-in service. So, you know, listen, fast food folks, good luck. But I'm going to eat good whenever I can. And that's what I'm going to do at Bulldog Burger Company. Again, two locations to serve you right here on University Drive and Star Vegas, the flagship, and then Gloucester Street and Tupelo. Two great towns, two great places to eat. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. Let's get into some football talk today. I told you guys I'm fired up about football. A lot of talk around SEC programs today. We're going we're gonna to play. We're going to have in-classroom instruction this fall. A lot of things trending in the right direction. Mississippi State has not made a statement about that. I have inquired. I've been told they are still doing some due diligence. And listen, I don't fault Dr. Mark Keenum and John Cohen for that at all. There's no rush to go make a statement. Well, it doesn't really change anything. But I suspect that we'll find that out probably in the next few weeks. I would say probably next month. You know, let, let, let's get through you know, graduation and kind of let everybody kind of get settled down a little bit. Before we ramp up for summer, we'll have a decision. I know that there are many of you that are thinking, man, I wish they'd go ahead and say something. You know, saying something can always be retracted. Just as many of these other promises, people out here saying, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to have fans. We're going to do all these kind of things. All that can change. We've seen that. Because details change. Medical professionals have different opinions. You know, circumstances change. So in the event that something should change, let's not let's not hold Alabama and Arkansas and those folks' feet to the fire too closely. We're all dealing with something that's unprecedented. So there will be some ebb and flow with that. But I know I've read on you know, some of the social media stuff, why did Mississippi State come out? What's the point? What's the point? It's going to be taken care of. Just a matter of gathering information. But you, you better believe this. The SEC isn't playing football without us. Go ahead and, and bet your bottom dollar on that. But there have been some other rumors about Mississippi State football. I want to address a couple of those, okay? I guess really just one. Uh, there has been some chatter over on the Florida message boards about Stuart Reeves potentially being a grad transfer to Florida. So I'm going to share with you what I know and what I have learned in recent days about every bit of that. The first thing that I will share is that you know, based on personal observation as well as some 
comments from people that I trust that were very, very close to the situation. The relationship between Stuart Reese, John Hevesy, not exactly the best. Not the best. You know, John's one of those guys. John, not a great recruiter as far as like chasing the, the blue chip guys when he was here at Mississippi State, but a great teacher. And he got the most out of his guys. I mean, you people forget, you know, Dylan Day was a two-star recruit because LSU never showed him any attention. Ben Beckwith was a, uh, you know, was a walk-on that I think we beat Holmes Community College for in Mississippi College, and that's a D3 school. Blaine Clausell was a two-star recruit out of Baker High School in Mobile. You know, you can go on down the list. I mean, you know, we had a bunch of guys that came in here kind of, you know, kind of vagabonds and led us to number one ranking in the country. And so John was a great teacher. But some guys, and he just didn't really mesh. And, uh, you know, the information that I have is that, you know, while Stu Reese obviously would uh, probably be welcomed in Florida, that that's not a situation that he's pursuing. I have spoken to multiple people with intimate knowledge of this topic and share with me, Stuart Reese has not mentioned anything to them about transferring. He has not entered a transfer portal. He has not asked anybody about what my options are, how do I go about this. He is still very much engaged with his coaches and his teammates. He attends the daily Zoom meetings from Mississippi State. And so I think a lot of this is just kind of idle chatter from people who are a little bit bored. Along those same lines, this rumor, to be fair, originated with our people several months ago. Not, not that there was anything to it, not that somebody had said anything. Just somebody said, you know what? That might, I, what? What if Stuart Reese decided to go be a grad transfer and go play his last year with his brother? And so they were just kind of thrown out there hypothetically, and the next thing you know, we're having to deal with this. And, and so, again, people that should know tell me, there's nothing going on here. They're not aware of anything. They haven't been contacted about anything. And listen, you know, Stu Reese may wake up tomorrow and go on a transfer portal and everybody look a little bit silly. But I think that we have kind of put ourselves in a hand-wringing situation over nothing. Oh, there may be some smoke to this one this time, you know. I mean, how many times did we hear that Cam Akers was unhappy at Florida State and that he should have been a rebel? I mean, right? I mean, it's like the same people that told you he was going to Ole Miss were wrong. Let me repeat that. They were wrong. Well, then, then all of a sudden he transfers to Florida State, and you're like, oh, man, I tell you, he's so miserable out there. He, he made a big mistake. It was his lifelong dream to be an Ole Miss Rebel. And he realizes that he made a mistake, and he's going to transfer. Well, it wasn't true either. None of that was true. And it's so funny. You know, it's like there's all this revisionist history, you know. It reminds me of when Ed Orgeron was here at Mississippi State, and I like Coach O. But when he was here, you know, he was uh, when he was at Ole Miss, he was the, uh, you know, he was the enemy. You know, I kind of like him being somewhere else so I can root for him a little bit because I think it's a good story. But you know, Ed O used to say, "I believe it's every young man's dream in Mississippi to one day grow up and play for Ole Miss." No, that wasn't my dream. I think most young men in Mississippi grow up probably thinking about doing something different. But there's all this, you know. Well, you know. Should have been a rebel. You know, I just, I think there's so many people out there that are bored and uh, that they kind of pass as pseudo insiders and they were just going to want to share these things out there. Next thing you know, it spreads from one online community to another. And we're kind of invested a lot of time and effort into a false narrative. You know what? I, I just, I think it's best not to participate in that. And it, it reminds me too, we had a discussion on the show recently about some of the you know, the false narratives to kind of get cranked up. And I address some of this on Gene's page. It's like the uh, the Ole Miss contingent that, that believed that Chris Jones wanted to go to Ole Miss. Well, let me just tell you this. If Chris Jones wanted to go to Ole Miss, he had the opportunity to go to Ole Miss, and he chose to go to Mississippi State. And he parlayed that opportunity into a multi-million dollar playing opportunity in a national football league. And now it's got a franchise tag with the Kansas City Chiefs where he just won a Super Bowl ring. So I would say that Chris chose wisely. Absolutely, wisely. Not to mention the fact too, it's it's the old Ole Miss standard. They go out there and you know, let's go dig up a uh, you know a relative in the life that uh, might think they have some influence and see if we can't find a way to leverage that that relationship to help us in recruiting. You know, it's good recruiting if you can get it done, but it's also sometimes kind of unscrupulous. But all that being said, is you know we got the Chris Jones stuff and the Cam Maker stuff, and then you know Jeff Simmons, and it's so funny too, and. Um, 
I don't want to chase this rabbit trail too long because we're going to talk about Mississippi State football. But I remember Jeff Simmons was probably the most accessible five-star recruit that I have ever been around. And some of that was because, you know, we went and spent some time interviewing the players in Oxaby County when Jeff was an underclassman and really just kind of beginning to add offers. And Jeff remembered that. He remembered that I came to the school and we took his picture and I came to watch him play football, you know, long before he was an All-American. And so Jeff would always answer the call. And if he couldn't get to you, he'd call you back. You know, he made the job really easy. And Jeff would also interview with anybody that wanted to be to interview him. And I think it made it probably saved him a lot of time and trouble because there's a lot of these kids that they don't want to talk. And I always laugh about that. And I think, you know, kid, you're going to be in the SEC. You want to go play in the SEC and you're scared to talk to a recruiting reporter? Give me a break. They're not under no obligation to talk to us. But when all of a sudden when you're playing in the SEC and you go out there and you drop a pass on third and 15 that cost somebody the game – you're going to go have to go sit in front of a media court. It's going to be a whole lot less friendly than the guys covering your recruitment. Uh, so those things are kind of silly to me. But uh, but Jeff Simmons, I spoke to him the Sunday before National Signing Day. He just got back from his official visit to Ole Miss, and he told me in confidence, he said, Ole Miss is out, but please don't report that. I just want you to know it's going to be between Alabama and Mississippi State, but don't put that out there. And I find it rather interesting because he had just gotten back from Oxford said he had to take that visit, but it was going to be between State and Alabama. So I kept it to myself. I didn't say anything. I just kind of said confidently on our message board, you know, I feel pretty good about the way things are trending with Jeff. Be a signing day announcement, so we'll see. But I was sitting on a pair of aces. I knew what was about to happen. And then on Tuesday before National Signing Day, uh, you know, I, I see some of the Ole Miss media folks uh, kind of preparing for their big moment. And uh, I should have gone and filmed all that. I mean, I, honestly, because I, I have a petty bone in my body. You know, I mean, I, there's always a little bit of that. You can kind of laugh at all that stuff. But uh, but all that being said, you know, I got a call from Jeff's uncle Tuesday and said, hey, we'd like for you to come to the National Signing Day ceremony. Here's what's going to happen. Jeff's going to announce from Mississippi State, and and uh, his sisters are going all out. They're going to put some things together. But the bottom line is there was no mystery to me where Jeff was going to go. And now listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I always know because I don't always know. But in that situation, I had the right source. And there's so much of that that goes on. There's so much, you know, in our industry, knowing who to believe and who's making the decision and who's, you know, has influence, it's difficult sometimes to kind of ascertain who that is. But in this situation from the very beginning, I, I kind of knew Jeff and the people around him. And so as a result, we were not bamboozled in that deal. And then some would say, well, Steve, you know, the process itself makes some of these players a little bit dishonest. And that's true because many of them are just trying to survive the process. And so they tell everybody a little bit of what they want to hear. And so you hope that you're not kind of diluting things yourself and uh, kind of skewing your own questions towards putting yourself where you basically get accused of uh, being part of the false news media, the fake news media. You know what I'm saying? And so there's all that stuff that happens. And so then in hindsight, there's this revisionist history. It said, oh, well, he really wanted to do this. No, he did what he really wanted to do. Jeff always wanted to come to Mississippi State. Now, when David Turner left, yeah, he was disappointed when DT left. He was. Dave Turner's a great man. He's a great coach here at Mississippi State, very instrumental in getting Jeff Simmons to Mississippi State. Basically told Jeff, hey, listen, Fletcher Cox had come through here. Chris Jones had come through here. You're the next great Mississippi State interior lineman. That's who you are. And so, yeah, that was a setback. However, but Jeff wanted to be here. Jeff came in, had a great career, left after three years, and now he's a multimillionaire. I would say Jeff chose wisely. And if you look on the other side of the ledger, you want to go look at – how things have gone, you know, people say, well, he wanted to go to Ole Miss. Well, why would he have wanted to go to Ole Miss? What have they done defensive line-wise in the last several years? You you want you want to take a minute and look at that? Look, I, I can just save it for you. We mentioned it on the show a while back. Bernito Jones in that same class played for four years, went undrafted. Now, granted, to be fair, Bernito Jones is not the same caliber player of Jeff Simmons, is, but Bernito Jones – 
very good player, probably had he gone to Mississippi State, might be a little different. Bernardo Jones is a good player. You want my honest opinion? He wasted four years at Ole Miss. So let's move forward. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some football stuff here. I want to get into offense because I'm, I'm beginning to kind of be intrigued a little bit about this Mississippi State offense, not just the, you know, the, the new system coming in. And, and I have been told by some people very, very close to the program that it doesn't take Mike Leach long to install an offense. It's not the standard install with a ton of moving parts and that sort of stuff. I'm told he just needs a few weeks to kind of get everybody on the same page and that these Zoom meetings have been very good, uh, that they've been able to kind of talk through some things and answer a lot of questions. But until you get on the field, on the practice field, and rep it out, it's difficult to know who's really retaining that knowledge, if you know what I'm saying. It's one thing to have book knowledge, another thing to have street smarts. And so getting those guys together on a field will be big. But but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about the pieces of this offense. And we started with Stu Reese, so let's, let's go ahead and stick with the offensive line. Here, based on what I am hearing and based on what I know and based on what I think, here is what I think. Here, I, th I think this kind of shakes out this way, okay? Looking at the offensive line from left to right, if I had to go make up a lineup today, if we're going to go out there and play New Mexico on a Thursday night, this is how I think we line it up, okay? Left to right, I got Charles Cross at left tackle, and I think he'll be there for three years. I got Stu Reese. That's right, Stuart Reese at left guard. Cole Smith at center. I'm a Cole Smith fan. I know some of our people are like, well, you know, no, no. Cole, no. Cole Smith can play. Cole Smith is as mean as a striped snake. His dad, mean as a red-headed yard dog. So he comes from great stock in that respect. Cole Smith knows how to work. Cole Smith is a guy that takes pleasure in dominating the man across from him. He needed to get a little bigger and stronger when he got here. He's done that. He is ready to kind of step in now uh, and contribute to Mississippi State. Happy to have him. Right guard, it's Darian Parker. Darian Parker, another one of those Mississippi success stories, kind of an under-recruited under guy that wanted to stay a little closer to home. This is a John Havasey success story. We talked about that earlier. Darian Parker is a guy that not a lot of teams wanted, not on a Power 5 level. That guy's been a value starter for Mississippi State. I, I really like Darian Parker, like his family, like his contribution to Mississippi State. And, and, and I, I'll tell you, this is a guy that was born to play offensive guard. And Greg Island's your right tackle. Greg Allen's your right tackle. And some other people have suggested that Scott Lashley is going to come in from Alabama and take over. Now, I'm going to say some things, and, and you might misconstrue them as me being critical of Scott, and I don't mean them that way. Greg Allen has a ton of starts under his belt as an SEC player. Scott Lashley does not. So Greg Allen knows what it means to win a position battle and then fend off all comers to hang on to his spot as RT1. I don't think Scott's going to be able to catch him without the benefit of spring. If Scott had had spring, it might be a different deal in the fall. But I'm going to go with experience, and I'm going to go with Greg Island. Not to mention, granted, Scott Lashley might have been competing against a, a higher caliber and quality of player at Alabama, but Scott hadn't been on the field much. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to trade – you know, a grad transfer a guy with limited snaps for a guy that has been in the wars of the SEC. And Greg's been up and down at times. I'm not going to sit here and say that Greg can't get better. I think Scott Lashley being here makes him better. But I got Lashley as the number two right tackle. And I guess we work back across there. I like Brandon Cunningham at that right guard spot. He can play either one. His interior spots in many respects are kind of interchangeable in this offense. Then LaQuinston Sharp, I think, has to play center. He could play one of the guard spots, but, uh, you know, we really wanted to redshirt him last year. And uh, he really came on and played well, despite the – people forget he broke his leg there at Scuba and, um, you know, missed the last part of his sophomore season there. But uh, he came in last year. Again, a guy that we were hoping to redshirt, let him kind of get a little bigger and stronger, but he was kind of thrown to the fire in game number one. 
Darrell Williams goes down, Evans Wilkerson goes down, and we got to put Sharp out there. And, and listen, we ended up using, utilizing him a lot last year. I like him. I think he's one of those guys that will play a good bit, but uh, I think he's probably too deeper at this point. That's just my personal opinion. We'll see how things shake out once we get into fall camp and that competition between he and Cole Smith really gets serious. Nick Penley at left guard, and again, another one of those guys that can move up, but he is one of those massive, long-limbed, nasty, slobber-knocker offensive linemen that could probably play a, a multitude of spots. But I like him. This was a great get for Joe Moorhead and, uh, and Marcus Johnson. And uh, he will be here, Mississippi State Benefits. I think he is exactly what Mason Miller is looking for in an offensive lineman. And I think that he will be a multi-year starter here at Mississippi State. Played a little bit last year, as you guys know. Kind of got his feet wet. We kept the shirt on him. And so now he and Charles will get the benefit of kind of growing together as a group. You can put Brandon Cunningham in that group, too. I think all three of those guys are uber talented. Cunningham's got to grow up a little bit, okay? You know, that's why last year, you know, he he was uh, you know one of those um, guys who didn't play a lick. You know, he had to kind of get ahead academically. But once he gets out there and gets an opportunity to play, I think you're going to see him kind of mature some. Again, love his mom. Love everybody around him. I don't know if you guys know this. His grandfather ran track at Mississippi State. Another one of those you know, family legacy type things. Brandon Cunningham has NFL potential. When you begin to think about him, Penley, and Cross kind of growing together, all those guys are redshirt freshmen. They got four more years to play. And so if those guys can settle into a starting role here within the next two years, I think it sets up really well for the future for Mississippi State. Left tackle, I got Dollar Bill out there, and I think Dollar Bill is probably a guy that probably next year flips over and plays right tackle. And then you begin to think about the future, Cross, Pendley, Cole Smith, Brennan Cunningham, Dollar Bill. Those are some guys that can mature well together and kind of gel as a unit. Uh, so my hope is that's what happens. But Dollar Bill obviously is a guy that uh, you know came in and played you know sparingly last year, but another one of those guys – from a pretty good offensive line class under Joe that, uh, you know, will come in here and do a good job for us. But, um, you know, it's rare to see a guy his size move as well as he does. And I think competing with Charles Cross makes him better. May not make him better initially this year, but I think as this process kind of moves forward that he finds a starting role of his own, that he is going to benefit from competing against Charles Cross, who is an elite athlete at left tackle. Not to say Dollar Bill's not, but I think Cross is just a little bit ahead of him. And then there's Cortavian Suggs. Where does he fit in all this? I think Suggs is one of those guys, too, that the, it's time for him to kind of make a jump there. We had high hopes for him. Uh, originally, Jackson native came in, you know, out of Florida and just hadn't played a whole lot. And so my hope is that the coaching change, you know, kind of gives him an opportunity to kind of reinvent himself as a player here at Mississippi State because he is a guy with a tremendous amount of athletic ability, but so far it just hadn't worked out for him. I mean, there are some there's some kids too that, you know, for one reason or another, they just don't really fit in with a coach. And uh, you know, maybe he and Marcus just never saw eye to eye. Maybe maybe Marcus couldn't get out of him what he needed to, but maybe Mason Miller can. Uh, there are some coaches that, you know, they can get players to respond to them where other guys can't. It's not a good, bad, or indifferent situation. It's just life. So you've got some very talented young players here. We don't have a lot of experience on the two deep. But when you begin to look across there with, uh, you know, Reese, Parker, Allen, LaQuinston Sharp, all of those guys have SEC snaps on their belt. So you feel good front line wise. You feel good about that, and I think Cole Smith. You can, you know, after two years under his belt, this is a kid that kind of understands what it takes to compete in an SEC program. I feel great about that starting offensive line, and I feel really good about the talent on the two deep. It's about getting those guys, you know, some experience now. Let's talk quarterbacks. I think we all know it's the KJ Costello show. Everybody knows that. We didn't sign him to come hold a clipboard. We didn't go and encourage him to come here just because to, to see if he liked it. If we, KJ's not coming to go to the Knoxville Refuge and take pictures for Instagram. He's coming here to try to get to the National Football League and hopefully get Mississippi State into a New Year's Six Bowl game. That's his goal. Hopefully he'll get there. 
But the bottom line is, this is the guy that's going to come in here, learn a scheme from a coach that will know how to utilize his skill set. KJ wants to throw the football. Mike Leach wants to throw the football. He is your starter. Now, where does it go from there? Now, Keaton, of course, has gone to Virginia. Wish him the absolute best. I harbor no will, ill will in my heart for anybody like that that leaves and feels the need to kind of reboot their career. I think Jalen Maiden's probably next. Don't know when it's going to happen. You know, maybe he competes. Maybe he, I know some people said, well, you know, Steve, I think he hangs it out for a year. And maybe he does. Maybe he decides to go to grad transfer out at some point. I don't know. But I just kind of get the sense, the fact that we're still chasing quarterbacks and we're going to sign two this year and that Garrett Schrader and Riders are going to expect to be here a little bit longer. You know, I think Maiden may pursue some other opportunities. And again, Jalen Maiden can sling it. I think when you begin to look at this offense, he probably fits this better than the Joe offense and certainly better than the Mullen offense. I've never thought Maiden was kind of a plus runner. I didn't see him as a Dak or a Nick or a guy that could run the zone read and run those quarterback uh, draws, that sort of stuff. I just never thought that was his his strong suit. But he can whip the ball around pretty well. His mechanics are a little bit different. But he is a guy that I think in this scheme, I could see it working out. Now, whether it does or not kind of remains to be seen. But uh, Jaywin, I think, is kind of the, the wild card in this group. What does he do? A lot of people continue to ask me about Garrett Schrader. Uh, don't know for sure what's going to happen, but, but here's the deal with him. I think Garrett needs the redshirt year to get completely healthy. But uh, I am a Garrett Schrader fan. And I watched his film throughout high school once Joe Moorhead began to kind of recruit him. And I don't think people, I think even some of our own fans are kind of undervaluing the ability of one Garrett Trader. Garrett is not a run-first quarterback. He ran a lot last year because that's what it called for. But he is a guy, number one, that is smart enough, is decisive enough, and athletic enough to make the throws in his offense. So a lot of people, they hear air raid and they think, okay, we're going to throw the fade 50 times a game. No, we're not. That's not what we're going to do. Now, we're always going to have the option to throw it deep, but we're going to we're going to run a lot of plays that are going to be intermediate-type passes. We're going to run a lot of stuff 20 yards and in. But Garrett Schrader has the arm to make those deeper throws. People forget. I mean, Osiris Mitchell lost the ball in the sun, but we threw an, he threw an absolute dime. Uh, to Osiris Mitchell in, in basically an option route and uh, just kind of threw up and let this guy go make a play. Garrett Schrader can run this offense. I think because of the fact that, that he ran it more than we expected last year, that uh, some people have kind of forgotten that he does have the arm talent to be a successful SEC quarterback. So we'll see how that kind of shakes loose. And then there's you know, it's Will Rogers. And, uh, you know, Will Rogers was offered by Mike Leach to go to Washington State, obviously kind of a byproduct of Gardner Minshew. Uh, and so Will is a guy that, you know, that Mike Leach recruited to play for him prior to getting to Mississippi State. And so some people have said, well, I think Will Rogers will beat out Garrett Schrader. Listen, I think Will's very talented, but so is Garrett. I think Will has, uh, has his work cut out for him chasing Garrett Schrader. And so it is a good problem to have. Because I believe Mississippi State has four very capable quarterbacks on the roster right now. And again, I, I think Keaton is a guy that needs the dual threat option to be effective as a quarterback. Because I think he is the best runner of all of these guys. I think Keaton has more wiggle uh, than Garrett Schrader. And I think he can run away from people. And so, again, wish him the best. He's not here. But the four quarterbacks that remain, very, very talented. I want to remind you, too, speaking of talented, Stan the Man. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, emailed with Stan earlier today. They're doing great. They're looking forward to seeing you guys again. Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, you should go by Campus Bookmart just to see her. It's worth the price of admission. Go by, see them, hang out, get some Mississippi State merch, and if you're not ready to get out and go see them, because not all retail establishments are open just yet, you can visit them from the safety of your own home by visiting them at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping 
on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Mom, Dad, I'm going to say it again. We're heading in. We're at the end of the school year now. The kids have done good. They've had to deal with some unprecedented circumstances. They've made their grades. Let's reward them with some new Bulldog merch. You can go ahead and get it done. You can order it right there at campusbookmart.net. Don't forget promo code BSR. So let's keep going on the offense. I'll tell you what, before we do that, let's do top 10. Since we're sticking with football today, I thought I would talk about the top running backs, the top Mississippi State running backs in my lifetime. Now, for some of you guys, I've lived a lot longer than you. For some of you, you're much older than me. That's not good. That's not bad. It's just kind of how things are. I defer to people that have been around a little longer to me. They've got a little more knowledge because the more I write these books and the more research I do with Mississippi State sports, the more I realized how little I knew. So here are a couple of honorable mentions I'm going to throw out there to you right out of the gate, okay? A couple of guys that didn't make my top 10 list. I didn't go with Kevin Bowie though he was very, very talented, did a great job here at Mississippi State. I didn't go with Dante Walker, even though he was uh, – people forget, Dante Walker was a number one recruit in America out of Clinton High School, came to Mississippi State. And I didn't go with Wayne Jones. And I've had so many people tell me, you know, when Wayne was here, that uh, he was one of those guys that would absolutely run you over. It wasn't around long enough to see Billy Stacy and those guys. But, uh, you know, listen, we have had some great players, you know, through the years. And here are the top ten that I'll just throw out in my lifetime. Your list may differ from mine. Your list would be incorrect. I didn't – and there, there are certain factors that I'll share with you on, on some of these – some of these guys, while they, they would have ranked higher under certain circumstances. Number 10 on my list, Josh Robinson. Uh, that was Dagman and Robin, son. I thought Josh, had Josh come back for his senior year, I think it would have benefited him and Mississippi State. You know, we had a much different team in 2015. Probably, probably went a couple more ball games with Josh in 15 because we really struggled. Running back wise in fifteen, we just we weren't able to run the football as effectively without Josh. But Josh is a guy that was is near and dear to our hearts. I wish him the absolute best. I've got him at number ten. Number nine on my list is a guy that uh, that played in my youth that I didn't get to see play in person, but is among the most decorated running backs in Mississippi State history, and it's Walter Packer. 73 to 76, Walter Packer played football when uh, it was three yards on a cloud of dust and then a mouthful of blood. Walter Packer, the third leading rusher in Mississippi State history with 2,820 yards, played with uh, with Rocky Falker and Howard Lewis and that bunch, did some big things for Coach Bob Tyler. But Walter Packer, nobody really talks about him very often. But Walter Packer was once the standard by which all Mississippi State running backs were measured. Again, 2,820 yards in his career. And that's before we had the, uh, the advent of the spread. You know, where, you know, that's back in the days where you kind of played in a phone booth and it was about who was the bigger, better, better man. Number eight on my list, and, uh, you know, if, had he been able to finish his career, but tragically he wasn't, I think he, he does a much better uh, – has bigger numbers, obviously, and that's Kiefer McGee. Kiefer McGee, God rest his soul, ran for 1,647 yards in two and a half years. He was leading the SEC and the nation in rushing when his leg was broken against South Carolina. Then the next year he dies in a, uh, a swimming accident. I don't know that we've done enough for Kiefer McGee. People say, well, you know, we got the locker. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we should have a flag that has 21 somewhere at Davis Wade, especially since we've unretired the number. Not sure how I feel about that either. Number seven on my list, Michael Davis. Michael Davis is actually in uh, the New Stark Villains book. Michael Davis, the fifth leading rusher in Mississippi State history, 2,721 yards. And if you – listen – Go back and watch, trust me, 
trust me when I say this, go to YouTube, and I know some of you guys are so great to put these old games on YouTube, and I, go, I watch them. Like when I'm writing about certain stuff, I go find the games on YouTube to make sure I don't miss anything, to make sure that I've got good questions and that sort of stuff. Go back and watch that 1994 Mississippi State team. We talked about this recently. Go back and watch them against Alabama on YouTube, and you'll see Kevin Bowie and, uh, and Mike Davis just absolutely wrecking shop against a very talented Alabama team. Michael Davis, a lot of people would have moved him to a different position. Jackie Sherrill wanted him and uh, Kevin Bowie behind that big, massive Mississippi State line just kind of beat people into submission. They did. Mike didn't have that breakaway speed, but I tell you what, there was not a DB in the SEC that was going to pull up an open space and go head-to-head with Mike Davis. The next on my list, number six, J-Rock. Jarius Norwood also in the New Stark Villains book. We talked at length about the 2005 Egg Bowl and about his recruitment. You may remember the governor of Mississippi, Ronnie Musgrove, arranged for a limo to bring him and uh, Jarius to an Ole Miss football game. We kind of got into that, as you could imagine. J-Rock played at Mississippi State when we didn't have a whole lot to play for. Part of that last great Jackie Sherrill class, signed on with Nick Turner, Jarius emerged as the guy. Did a great job for Sylvester Croom. Scored the game-winning touchdown against Florida, one of the biggest upsets in Mississippi State history. I, I, I shudder to think what Jerry Snorwood would be in today's spread offenses. You know what I'm saying? If you could spread it out and let him run instead of just you know doing running too tights and that sort of stuff and I-formation stuff, if you had spread him out and let him run, oh, my goodness. Great player a little bit before his time. Number five on my list, and I, I recently met this gentleman, and it was, uh, I was a little bit, you know, I'll be honest with you. I don't get fanboyish. You know what I'm saying? I just, I don't, I don't get, it just didn't, it didn't get to me. But this one kind of did a little bit. That's Michael Haddix. Michael Haddix, when I was a kid, Michael Haddix was the straw that stirred the bulldog drink. Michael Haddix, number sixth all time and Mississippi State rushing. And this is back when John Bond was here, too. Remember people remember that? John was a, a very capable rusher in his own right, ran for 2,280 yards. We ran out, you know, wishbone back then. But Mike Haddix, first-round draft pick, back in the Starville community, met him at an M-Club situation and uh, party. And I'll tell you what, I was a little bit starstruck meeting Michael Haddix. Michael Haddix one of the greatest players, regardless of position, to ever wear maroon and white, ever, ever. Number four on my list, and I really struggled. I started to put Mike Haddix ahead of this one. Maybe I got caught up in a little bit of recency bias, but I went with Vic Boward. If Vic Boward had been able to play for four years at Mississippi State, I have no doubt that he would be probably, probably, the all-time leading rusher here at Mississippi State. Only here a couple years after two years at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Despite the fact that he played for just two seasons, Vic Boward is 15th in rushing all-time Mississippi State. 2,157 yards, two years. 29 touchdowns, two years. A lot of people put up some big numbers at Mississippi State. This guy did it in just two years. And Vic Boward kind of typifies the Mississippi State story. Kind of an undervalued, underappreciated recruit. Blossomed a little bit as a senior. Became an All-State player. Uh, was in the Miss Al All-Star game. And then, uh, you know, went to junior college. and was a junior college success story and came to Mississippi State. I still hear from Vic occasionally. Vic Boward's a great player. Vic Boward is a blue-collar Mississippi State kind of guy. Number three on my list, and some people might have him higher. I almost put him second, but I decided to go third because of the fact that the guys ahead of him played longer here at Mississippi State. J.J. Johnson, another junior college guy. You know, a lot of people forget, you know, Kiefer McGee was a big reason why J.J. Johnson came to Mississippi State. If memory serves me correctly, when J.J. Johnson came on his visit, Kiefer McGee was one of the hosts. 
encouraged him to come here. And then, of course, what Kiefer did here at Mississippi State, uh, you know, J.J. had an opportunity to kind of follow in his footsteps. J.J. led us to Atlanta. I can only begin to imagine what we'd have done against Tennessee with a, a healthy J.J. Johnson. We nearly went, won the SEC without him. Number two on my list, one of the greatest players of his generation, one, probably one of the most beloved, DeCenzo Miller. I, I'm, I'm, he's also, also in the New Stark Villains book. I wrote that chapter last night. He's 14th all-time in rushing with 2,200 yards. Here's an amazing statistic about DeCenzo Miller. DeCenzo played at Ware High School, which is no longer in existence. You know, Ware and Ackerman, you know, consolidated to become Choctaw County High School. So, DeCenzo Miller, in four years as a high school player, lost two games. One to Durant in a regular season game, and then in... Uh, I guess it was 95, he lost to Mize in the state championship game 28-14. So he loses two games in four years. And that one game against Mize, that's the only thing that kept him from winning four consecutive state championships and having three undefeated seasons. It is absolutely ridiculous. He set a school, uh, pardon me, a state record with 47 touchdowns scored as a senior. Unbelievable. Comes to Mississippi State, does the DeCenzo shake. You guys know what I'm talking about if you were around back then. DeCenzo was the guy at Mississippi State. He was the best offensive player we had during some of the best years in program history in his late 90s teams. And and uh, he graduated with three, three ball appearances and three egg balls, to his credit, three egg ball wins. And it wasn't just the fact that DeCenzo put up big numbers. It was how he did it and how he was always so clutch. He always found a way to make plays and games. He was a winner, absolute winner. But number one on my list and number one on the Mississippi State all-time uh, career rushing list, Anthony Dixon. Booby D, 3,994 yards. It boggles the mind to consider that. The only guy that's gotten close to that is Nick Fitzgerald. And if Nick hadn't broken his leg, it might have been a different story. You know what I'm saying? Booby goes 3,994 and uh, came to play for Sylvester Croom in the you know pro style you know I formation two tight set. The best year he had was in a spread offense with Dan Mullen because Dan spread things out for him and he could run a lot harder against the edges and, and really produced exceptionally. 42 touchdowns is a career. Mississippi State, 46. He and Nick Fitzgerald tied. 46 touchdowns responsible. We have had some great running backs here at Mississippi State. And that, that leads me to the next one, Colin Hill. So what does that mean now? Colin Hill currently, and I think he'll be on this list moving forward, Colin Hill is 10th all-time in rushing right now with his senior season to go, 2,477 yards. Now, I don't think he catches Booby D just because of the fact that I think we're going to utilize him in a different way. I don't think that he's going to get near the carries. He'll probably get the same number of touches, but I don't think we're going to run the football nearly as much. And so his rushing yards will probably get him into the top three. And that's the thing I look at Walter Packers right there at 28-20. You know, so he is less than 400 yards away from number four on the list. I think he gets that. Does he get to 3,000? That's the thing that I look at. You know, you got 2477, you need, what, 523. If he gets to 3,000, that safely gets him into the top five and right there behind Jerry's Norwood. I just don't know if Cowan is going to get the rushing yards to break the top three, but I think he will go down is one of the greatest running backs to ever play at Mississippi State. And I actually think the change in offensive philosophy is one of the best things that happened to him because he will get the opportunity, I think, to uh, to expand his game a little bit. And then behind him, of course, Kareem Walker. A lot of people know him. Eric Mealy, uh, another New Jersey guy, knows all about Kareem. That might be good for Kareem, somebody that kind of knows his accolades from a high school player. He's got one year to make it work, right? And we need him to be able to be a quality backup to Cowan. Then there's Witherspoon and Marks and then Dylan Johnson. So you feel good about that position. You really do. Uh, you really feel like that you've got some horses 
at running back. But outside of Kylan, they're largely unproven. You've got talent. Again, you need experience. Kareem Walker has not played much football over since he left high school. I mean, really, he hasn't. You know, he played a handful of games at Michigan. Then he had you know, an academic situation that calls him a red shirt. Then he transfers to Fort Scott. They were awful. Played a little bit there. Didn't play last year. You know, and so the clock is ticking on him. So we don't know what we have there, but we just need him to be a capable backup. And Witherspoon didn't play a lot last year, but, you know, he's shown some real flashes. We know that he can find the end zone. And the last group that we talk about offensively is wide receivers. What's the deal with the wide receivers? We lost a lot last year. We lost a ton of production. But when you begin to look at what you've got, you know, the tight ends are moving the receiver. Dante Jones, we expect him to be outside. And then uh, Brad Cumbus and Spivey will, will slide inside. Uh, and then, you know, we'll kind of go from there and just kind of see what happens. Preston Warren, I'm sure, will be an inside guy. I'm not sure how much he plays. But, uh, you know, Austin Williams, you know, we, we, we talk about him every year. And uh, he is one of those guys that has a great catch radius and um, probably a little bit underutilized. But we really need him to make a big jump this year. We really need, really need a big jump from him this year. And I think we'll get that because I think this coaching staff will know how to utilize him. Uh, I think one of the things that's hurt in his development is the fact that we've had a different wide receiver coach every year that he's been here. Javante Payton is a guy that I'm expecting a big jump for. We t- everybody in the media talked about what a great player he was last year in fall camp. When we started hitting, things changed a little bit. We're not looking for a seven-on-seven wide out, and, but I think that he is a guy with his speed and his ability to get up the field after making the catch – I think they'll know how to utilize him, and I think he's going to be a big player. I still think Osiris Mitchell was probably the guy this year. I think Osiris Mitchell may go down as one of the greatest value scholarships we've ever, ever signed. And we signed him after signing day. People forget that. Osiris Mitchell was just hanging around waiting for an opportunity. And Billy Gonzalez threw a scholarship offer at him when he was a late qualifier, and we got him. And now he's been you know, Mississippi State's leading pass catcher, what, two consecutive years? Then you add in Keziah Pruitt and Quentin Torber, both red-shirted last year. They'll be inside guys. I like Keziah Pruitt and I like Quentin Torber. But, yeah, to me, to be quite honest, I've seen Pruitt play in person before, and so I feel like he has an opportunity to be a player here at Mississippi State. You don't have a lot of returning numbers right there. So you're going to have to depend a lot on these newcomers, and there's a bunch of them. I mean a bunch of them. We know what we got in Malik Heath. At least we think we know what we have with him. I think that he is a guy that, that probably catches a ton of passes this year. He is the one thing about Malik that I love is how competitive he is. And you saw that early in his career, even as a sophomore here at camp. He he was the guy that was always talking, always felt like he had a need to prove himself, uh, and he does. He is a guy that competes for the football and takes ownership of it at its highest point. I think that he is going to be a big difference maker for State. Caleb Ducking, we signed him expecting him to redshirt this year. I, I don't think there's any question he's going to play this year. I think he has to play this year. And he hadn't played a whole lot of football like this. It's going to be a, his ability to get on the field is going to be directly linked to his ability to pick up this offense. But with his skill set and his size and the fact that you're going to be able to get him in some one-on-one matchups, he could be a real weapon. It's just a matter of how quickly he can kind of pick things up. I still expect Rufus and Tulu, that's the Dietrich Griffin, um, to be able to uh, to redshirt this year. I hope so. I think they need the year to get bigger and stronger. And I think they'll be great inside receivers as we kind of move forward. And I think the fact that the numbers at the inside receiver position kind of gives State the luxury of redshirting those guys. Then you've got Jaden Wiley. I think, I think he will be a Z eventually. And I like Trip Wilson too. Trip Wilson is not the typical walk-on. This is a guy that's got real potential to play. And I think that he's a guy because he is uh, – a hard worker, and a guy, too, that is a multi-sport athlete. I think he has the athleticism to come in here and kind of work his way into some opportunities. But I think Jaden Wally was among the best athletes in the 2020 signing class in the state of Mississippi. I think he is completely undervalued, and after seeing him in person and just watching how he utilizes his strength and his speed and his length, Wide receiver is absolutely the way to go, and I think he is a developmental guy. You may not see a lot of flashes this year, but I think we are going to be really excited about him over the course of his career. 
So that's kind of how I see it. I don't know right now these wide receivers if you could shake it up in a bag and throw it out and put together a, a, a solid two deep. But I think we all feel pretty confident that Javante Payton, Osiris Mitchell, and Austin Williams are going to get the lion's share of uh, the attempts this year. So that's kind of how I see it. Well, we, on Monday, we'll talk some defensive stuff. But I think really most of the questions are about offense. But when you think about the fact that you've got the mad scientist, Mike Leach, analyzing these guys, sitting at home right now, plotting, scheming, putting together some clandestine plot to unseat Nick Saban, he will find a way to utilize these guys and to use them to the best of their abilities. I, I'm excited about it. Uh, and and the fact, if we ever have to worry about offense with Mike Leach, we're probably in trouble. I, I think as long as the defense can be good, Mississippi State will always be a very solid bowl team. And the years that the that the defense is great, we're probably a team that can probably go out there and scare some people to death and probably uh, pull some upsets and possibly get into a New Year Six. Uh, I'm excited about where we are, and I hate that we're having to take this pause when we had so much positive momentum. You know, from you win the Egg Bowl, uh, you get to a bowl game, you sign up all your December guys, you lock down the recruiting class, you end up making a coaching change, and you bring in one of the most innovative offensive minds in the history of the game, and then we don't get spring football. You know, we don't get the summer workouts. You know, and so it's like, as excited as we are, a lot of that enthusiasm has been arrested a little bit. And so hopefully we can get going again. Uh, but I'm excited to see what we can do. But, again, that offense, I think, has the pieces to be very interesting. And, again, this year will be a transition year, and they'll be much better in year two. Uh, but I think when you've got a guy like K.J. Costello with his arm talent and his experience, I think the learning curve for the Mississippi State offense is probably not as steep as it would be under normal circumstances. I'm excited about that. And it's been fun to talk about football today. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you. I mentioned the Stark Villains books. Uh, again, working on that throughout the weekend. And I'll be done writing this thing by the end of May. I mean, it, it's incredible to think about that. But that's I've tried to make good use of the downtime during the global pandemic. And so I'm already halfway done with it. And, uh, you know, some things have been sent off to the editors, and I've already got a few notes back. And so we're going to streamline right through that in the month of June, and we'll get this thing off to print and hopefully have you guys booked the first part of, of the fall in time for fall football. That's the plan anyway. And uh, looking forward to that. If you haven't read Flim Flam or Stark Villains, shame on you. You can remove that shame by going to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. And some of you do because I'm having to sign books every single week. Uh, and thank you for that. And uh, many of you have sent me your reviews. And a lot of people have reached out and said, hey, Stephen, thanks for covering this guy. And this guy was my, my, my grandfather and uh, never knew this story. That's one of the biggest parts of all this is being able to do that, being able to kind of reconnect the generations and kind of share some some great stories about Bulldogs past. And one of the things I started doing, too, I just did the first one yesterday. I'm going to do a weekly column throughout the year, and it's going to be called Diamond Dogs Diamond Dog Tales, and it's going to be a short story about historic figures in Mississippi State baseball. I wrote about Dolly Stark yesterday. Dolly Stark was our coach for one year and one year only. And State goes 22-4 and four and 10-2 and two in the South Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Association. And we won our very first conference championship. And Dolly Stark was here for one year and then was signed by the Cleveland Indians and eventually was the utility guy with the Brooklyn Dodgers. But uh, he met an untimely demise, uh, you know, probably 15 years after he left Mississippi State. But it was just interesting to kind of go back and do some research and read about Willie Mitchell and uh, how he threw the, the, the first perfect game in program history against those, oh my gosh, I almost said it, against those bombs from LSU. We go down there in the second game of a doubleheader, and he strikes out 26-27 Tigers, and we win one to nothing on our way to our conference championship. And the fact that we could get those bombs down there and then sweep all miss a little bit later in the year made the year even that much sweeter. Even when I go back and look at that and I see those wins against LSU, uh, in baseball, there's a part of me that is reborn, and I hope that you guys feel the same way. Well, that's going to do it for today. And thanks so much, man, for your support. I, I really look every time, at least two or three times a week, somebody messages me and says, hey, Steve, thanks for continuing to do the Boneyard three days a week, even though there haven't been any games played. And I've had to be a little bit creative at times, but it's been therapeutic for me. But I'm glad to bring some value you know, to you guys and hopefully kind of remind you of, uh, you know, of, of some life to come. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't wait for us to all be reunited. There'll be some restrictions on us. 
We might not be able to hug and kiss as much, you know, with strangers. But uh, be that as it may, we'll, we'll be able to get back and kind of reconnect at Davis Wade Stadium and Duty Noble Field and kind of celebrate our maroonness sooner rather than later. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.